Acts chapter 5, and let's have a word of prayer before we get started. Father, thank you so much for this day, for all that you do for us. What a great privilege it is to be here this morning. Father, I pray that you would help us as we open your word again to be encouraged. Father, as we study it, that we would rightly divide it, that your will would be accomplished in it. Father, thank you so much for this time that we can spend together. I pray that it would be a useful use of our time. And Father, that we would learn something and leave here different than when we came. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 5, a lot has happened in the early church. Jesus has left them and a lot of things have gone on. These men have preached and a lot of people have come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. These men have seen a lame man healed. They've preached the gospel to a lot more people and many of those people came to Jesus. They have been told that they cannot speak in the name of Jesus ever again or else. And guess what they do? They go out and they speak in the name of Jesus and else happens. Lots of things going on. They are all selling what they have and they are giving it to those that have need. This early church was something absolutely amazing to behold. There were thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people coming to Jesus Christ, knowing him as their personal Savior, and people were being healed. It was amazing. At the beginning of Acts chapter 5, we read about a husband and a wife by the name of Ananias and Sapphira. And these people, they, they lied to God about the amount of land, excuse me, the amount that they sold their land for. And this lie eventually cost them their lives. And this lie was used by Satan to try to disrupt the church. We spent a great deal of time on that last week, talking about how the lies of our lives will, will be used to disrupt the church. That was, in some ways, kind of a discouraging message. It was meant to be the fact that, hey, pay attention, we need to watch this because lying is an important thing in God's kingdom. It's an important thing to remember that we ought not to do that, but I want to be an extreme encouragement here this morning. So let me encourage you with this. There is something that Satan cannot stop. There is something that Satan cannot stop. Guess what? He cannot stop the truth. Let me say that again. Satan cannot stop the truth. He can't do it. As much as he will try, Satan cannot stop the truth. Consider the following verses, John chapter 8 and verse 32. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You want to be free today? Know the truth. You want to feel like you're free in every aspect of the word? Know the truth. Satan cannot stop the truth. Consider this verse, 1 Timothy 3, 15. But if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. Watch this. Which is the church of the living God. Watch this. The pillar and ground of what? The truth. So I want you to understand the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. Not the church building. Listen, the Bible says that we, the people, are the church. And we are the pillar and the ground of the truth. Consider this next verse. Matthew 16, 18. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Watch this. And the gates 
of hell shall not prevail against it. Listen, let me tell you something. There is one thing that Satan cannot, cannot, cannot defeat, and that is the truth. He cannot stop it. He cannot stop the truth. And if the church continues to be the pillar and ground of the truth, guess what? He cannot stop the church. Listen, that ought to excite you this morning. That ought to get you fired up because Satan cannot stop us. As much as he will throw at us, as much as he will give to us, he cannot stop the church. The truth continues to spread here in Acts chapter 5. As much as Satan was trying to stop it, the truth continued to spread. It starts just outside the temple. Remember, they're walking up to the gate, beautiful, and there's a lame man there. And what do they do? Silver and gold have I none, but this I can give you. Upon the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He rises up and his feet and his ankle bones receive strength and he runs leaping and he's praising God. And guess what? Then they go into the temple. So it starts with just a little bit out on the street. Then it moves into the temple and Peter is able to preach and 3,000 people come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And the Bible talks about the fact that they are now in Solomon's porch. So they're in the street, they're in the temple, Solomon's porch. And then... Watch this. Go to Acts chapter 5 and verse 12. The Bible says this, And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them, and believers were the more added to the Lord. Multitudes, both of men and women. Watch this. Insomuch that they brought forth the sick, into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. And there came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits. Watch this. And they were healed every one. Man, can you imagine this scene? Go down to City Hall, and right in front of City Hall, because the temple would have been the center focus of the town. City Hall, and around City Hall, all of the streets are completely filled with people. Day after day after day after day. So no longer is it just in the temple, it is in the streets. It is everywhere. People are just crying to have Peter walk by them, just crying to have a glimpse of just this salvation that Jesus Christ brings. This was causing quite the ruckus. And not only was it just people from the city, but it was people from all over the cities round about Jerusalem. I mean, it is everywhere. Talk about complete mayhem and craziness. They were all just lying in the streets. Man, it would have been an awesome time to be alive to see that. Well, obviously, this would not be looked well upon by city officials. And again, you have to understand in Jewish culture, city officials were usually, usually religious officials. And so in this moment, in this time, the religious officials are going, what is going on to our city I mean, there are people just lying in the streets. There are people coming from all over the place. 
lying in the streets. Look at Acts chapter 5 and verse 17. All of this is happening. Then the high priest, what did he do? He rose up and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation. That is not a good word. That is not joy, okay? They're not filled with joy. They are angry. They are furious. They are mad. They, are, they do not want this happening. Verse 18. And laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. Hey guys, not cool. Not cool, guys. They grab the apostles and say, guys, you've done it again. We told you to stop preaching in the name of Jesus Christ, and you continue to do it, you are going to prison. But can I encourage you? You cannot stop the truth. Let me say that again. You cannot stop the truth. Look at verse 19. But the angel of the Lord by night, what did he do? He opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go! stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning, and what did they do? And taught. But the high priest came, and they that were with him, and called the council together, and all the senate of the children of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. I love this part. This is my favorite part of the whole thing. So at night... The angel of the Lord miraculously opens the gates of the prison and says, hey, get back and do what I told you guys to do in the first place. All right, let's go. So they go back into the temple and they start preaching and teaching. High priest gets up in the morning. Oh, man, a really rough night sleeping on my wonderfully rich bed, right? He's like, all right, we got to take care of these stinking Jewish guys and preach in the name of Jesus. All right, let's get the council together. Meanwhile... They're just getting out of bed. These guys are in the temple preaching again. Oh, it gets better. Let's continue. They sent to the prison to have them brought, verse 22. But when the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told, saying, The prison truly found we shut with all safety, and the keepers standing without before the doors. But when we had opened, we found no man within. Now when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they doubted of them whereunto this would grow. Hey guys, come on, you got to be kidding me. Go find out what's going on. What in the world? They have to be there. Then came one and told them saying, I love it. Behold, the men whom ye put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people lest they should be stoned. Can you just think and imagine this? This would be so awesome. They're miraculously released from prison, and then they run right back into the temple and preach, and everybody's looking for them. They're supposed to be in trial right now. Just so happens that in order to preach the gospel, they had to miss their trial appointment. These high priests and these Sadducees and this council of people are just scratching their heads. They just keep going back at it. Let me encourage you. Satan cannot stop the truth. He can't stop it. I love it. Then they are re-rearrested. 
This will be the third time. Rearrested. And now we get into the meat of the passage. Obviously, this council is not happy with them. They're angry. They're furious. They're full of indignation. They are, if you will, atrociously angry. But I want you to notice something that they say in verse 28. Let's specifically read in verse 27 to start. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, watch this. Did we not straightly command you that ye should not teach in this name? And behold, ye have filled all Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Did you catch that? We already told you guys once. Twice even. You should not be teaching and preaching in the name of Jesus Christ. But did you catch? He said, and now you have filled all Jerusalem with your doctrine. I would have just stepped back and said thank you very much. That was our intention. They had just done what Jesus had told them to do in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Samaria and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. They had accomplished the first feat. Listen, Satan could not stop the truth. Now all of Jerusalem is filled with the teaching of Jesus Christ. Despite all of the threatening, despite the internal conflict, despite everything these religious people were trying to do to stop it, they could not stop the truth. It just kept spreading. It's exciting. But also here in verse 28, I want you to notice something very specific about the high priest and this council. They give us a little bit of insight as to why they are doing what they are doing. Do you ever, again, I've said this multiple times in the last several weeks. Do you ever wonder why people do what they do? Do you ever wonder why so-and-so is the way they are? Well, here we get a little bit of a glimpse as to why the Sadducees, why the high priest, why this religious group desperately does not want the name of Jesus Christ to be heard. Look at verse 28 again. Saying, did we not straightly command you that ye should not teach in this name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. Watch this. And intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Oh boy. Guys, you're, you're, you're by saying the things that you're saying, you intend to bring the blood of Jesus Christ on our heads. You intend to make us responsible for the death of Jesus Christ. If you will, there was a little bit of guilt hanging over their heads. Interestingly enough, just a few weeks, maybe, maybe even into a few months prior... At the crucifixion of Jesus, look at this verse, Matthew chapter 27, verse 25. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Just a few weeks prior, all of the people were saying, Hey, crucify that guy, get rid of him, he's disrupting everything. We don't care what it takes. His blood be on us. It's okay. 
What did they do to Jesus Christ? They crucified him. He died for your sins. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Listen, they tried to stop the truth, Jesus Christ. And guess what happened three days later? Oh, you can't stop the truth. You can't stop the truth. Three days after Jesus was buried, three days later he rose from the dead. You can't stop the truth. See, they were a little bit scared. They had no problem at this time in the crucifixion being responsible for the death of Jesus. But now, guess what? They don't want to be responsible for shedding the blood of Jesus. Wait, just a few moments ago you said. And then, wait, just now you're saying this. You're not making sense, high priest. You're not making sense, Sadducees. You're not making sense, council. So what are they trying to do? They're trying to squelch the name of Jesus. They're trying to eradicate the name of Jesus altogether. Let me make this very clear to you today. Satan will do whatever it takes to try to eradicate the truth of Jesus Christ. Let me say it one more time. Satan will do whatever it takes to try to eradicate the truth of Jesus Christ. He's going to do it in your life. Honestly, what do we see in our world today? We see every attempt being made to remove Jesus Christ from every area of our lives. I mean, every attempt. They are pulling out all the stops now, aren't they? Satan will do whatever it takes. We want him removed from our schools. We want him removed from the courtrooms. We want him removed in the workplace. We want him removed from our conversations. We want him removed completely from every aspect of our lives. And it's happening. Why is that? Why is that? Well, it's not because the world just doesn't agree. And that is part of it. That's not the main reason. Here's the reason. If Jesus Christ is real, then we are all responsible for the way we live our lives. Let me say it one more time. If Jesus Christ is real, then every one of us is responsible for how we live our lives. So in order to live the way that we want, what do we do? God's not real. Jesus did never, never came. Jesus is not real. Jesus was just a good man. He was a good prophet. He was just this, that, and the other thing. Anything we can do to undeify Jesus Christ. Why? Because if Jesus Christ is real, then we are responsible. Why do you think the Bible says the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God? Because then I'm not responsible to anybody else. I'm responsible for my own actions to me. And that's what our world is saying. Hey, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else, you go right ahead and keep on doing what you're doing. And they try to eradicate and remove and get rid of him. So in order to live the way that we want, we get rid of Jesus Christ. In fact, I don't ever want to hear about him again. Don't you talk to me about Jesus Christ. So hear me again. They will do whatever it takes. They will threaten they will arrest, 
they will despise, they will make fun of, they will do whatever it takes to stop the truth. And there are many Christians who will fall prey to these tactics. But I would like to implore us all here today, myself included, I would love to implore you, beg you, plead with you, beseech you, don't stop preaching the truth. Don't stop preaching the truth of Jesus Christ, no matter what this world tries to tell us, no matter what this government does, no matter what this world throws at us, hear me, don't stop preaching the truth. Don't. Oh, let me encourage you, that's going to look different for everybody. Everybody. Some of you would never be able to do what I do up here. Not because I'm something special, just because we're different. I'm loud and I'm obnoxious. And I know that. Some of you don't want to stand up here, but you know what you're wonderful at? Taking somebody to coffee. Selling something on Marketplace and saying, hey, I just wanted to let you know about Jesus Christ. Again, it looks different for all of us in different ways, but can I encourage you? Satan will do whatever it takes. He will use culture. He will use your workplace. He will use your friends. He will use your family to try to squelch the name of Jesus Christ. Don't stop preaching because he can't stop it. Look at what the apostles say in Acts chapter 5 and verse 29. I love this. After saying, Jerusalem is filled with your doctrine, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us, then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. I don't know how to say it any better than that. We ought to obey God rather than man. Hey guys, you can throw whatever you want at us. You can do whatever you want to us. But we will obey God rather than man. It's as if the teaching of Jesus Christ had actually gotten into their minds and in their hearts. Because in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28, Jesus says this, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. It's as if they say, hey guys, we know you can take our lives from us, but we'd rather serve the person who can take our lives and our souls from us. You see, there's one day coming, and I've mentioned this a couple times in the last couple weeks, where every knee will bow before Jesus Christ, and every tongue will confess that he is Lord and Savior. There's coming a day when all of us will bow down to Almighty God. The person who can destroy both body and soul. So fear not them which can only kill the body. Satan will always tempt us to leave the truth. Satan will always tempt us to leave the truth. But it is the truth that makes us free. Let's continue our story. Verse 30. They continue to kind of preach at them just a little bit. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. 
Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are, we are his witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to them that obey him. They blamed them again. You are the ones who slew him on the tree. And we are going to be witnesses of him. So, verse 33, when they heard that, they were cut to the heart, watch this, and took counsel to slay them. Oh, for lack of a better term, they upped the ante a little bit. We've threatened you. We've beaten you. And now, we're going to kill you. Let me reiterate what I've said. Satan will do whatever it takes to eradicate the truth of Jesus Christ. They were going to try to kill these men. Let's be honest, they were successful in killing Jesus Christ, weren't they? They did it. And so in order to continue to keep this quiet, we're going to have to continue to kill his followers. And then, hopefully then, it will all go away. Verse 34, then stood there up one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, had in reputation among all the people and commanded to be put the apostles forth a little space. Hey guys, you're dismissed from the room for a minute. I need to have a word with these guys. And said unto them, ye men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what ye intend to do as touching these men. For before these days rove up Thutis, boasting himself to be somebody to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves who was slain, and all, as many as obeyed him, were scattered and brought to naught. After this, man rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing and drew away much people after him. He also perished, and all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. I want you just to stop there just for a second. He gives two examples, Thutis and Judas. Hey, these two men, they thought themselves to be something. They, they rose up, they led a bunch of people, and Thutis specifically, 400 joined themselves to him. That was quite a group of people. There's not 400 people here today. So they had 400 people that were following him, but when Thutis and Judas died, guess what? That was the end of it. It just petered off. It just died. Let's continue. Verse 38. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work, watch, be of men, watch, it will, it will, it will come to naught. It will die. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it. Lest happily ye be found even to fight against God. And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, and commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and let them go. Gamaliel said it best. If it be a man, it will be nothing. But if it be of God, it won't be stopped. Romans chapter 8 and verse 31. What shall we say to these things? If God... Be for us. 
who can be against us? Verse 37 says, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Listen, we are more than conquerors. If it's of God, it won't be stopped. You can't stop it. It's going to continue. Satan's going to try. The world's going to try. He's going to throw everything he possibly can at you. He's going to try to get you to lie and cheat and steal with your life. But listen, if you will stay true, it will not be stopped. It will not be stopped. The truth of Jesus Christ won't be stopped. Satan will try to defeat it. The world will try to cover it up. They will kill. They will lie. They will deceive. They will torture. They will destroy. They will defame just to stop the truth. My goal today is to empower you. Oh, not emotionally. Or not with uh, uh, fancy words. Or being really loud and excitable. That's not my goal today. But my goal is to empower you with the power of God. The power of God is the truth of the gospel. Will you say with me and the apostles here in Acts chapter 5, we ought to obey God rather than man. And Paul the apostle says in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, he says this, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Listen, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Listen, don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't let the culture tell you what to do. Don't let the, the world tell you what you can and cannot say about Jesus Christ. Listen, it is Jesus Christ and him crucified. That is the truth. It is the power of God and it will never be stopped. The truth of Jesus Christ cannot be stopped. But you say... What if they were killed? Guess what? It continued past them. You say, what if I'm, what if I stop? What if I don't declare? Guess what? You will miss out. I, I can almost guarantee you Jesus Christ will raise up someone else. But you will miss out on the greatest privilege there is in the world to tell and proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ to another person. There's not a physical joy in this world, I believe, better than bringing new life into the world. I love my kids. We're getting ready to have our fourth. It is like the most overwhelming, amazing experience to have a child. Spiritually, I don't think there's a greater experience than helping someone else find life, eternal life. And if you are a person that just says, it's a losing battle. I can't. I won't. Then I'm just, I'm sorry but you're going to miss out on one of the greatest spiritual joys ever. And I can't explain it to you. But I can almost guarantee if every single person in this room 
just decides today that I, the truth can't be stopped. I'm just going to share it. What would St. Thomas look like? Oh, man. If every single one of us just told one person, next week it'd be, there'd be 300 the week after that, there'd be 600. And the week after that, 1,200. And the week after that, 2,400. Do you see how fast that moves? Listen, Satan cannot stop the truth of Jesus Christ. The truth will not be stopped. Will you be someone who declares it? Will you fulfill your purpose? You were made for more than giving in to the lies of Satan. You were made to be an ambassador of truth. An ambassador of truth. Will you join us? Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for all you've done for us. Father, I pray that there will be people in this room today that would boldly stand for the truth. There will be people in this room that would go to their workplace and not to cause a scene, not to be disruptive, not to be ridiculous. But Father, they would not be ashamed of the gospel. They would tell their coworkers. Again, Father, I pray you would give us the strength. Father, this is not about determining more, but Father, allowing the Holy Spirit of God to work through us like never before. Allowing the Holy Spirit of God to convict. Allowing the Holy Spirit of God to show us when and where and to bring all things to remembrance. Father, many of us are scared because we don't know what to say. We don't want to get it wrong. And the reality is, in our flesh, yes, you're, we're correct. We are going to get it wrong. We are going to mess it up. But Father, I pray that as we go from this place, each and every person would go with the, in the power of the Holy Spirit. That you would give us the strength, the power, the remembrance to say the things that we need to say. Father, that your true word would continue no matter what. Father, I pray that we would give you the praise and honor and glory for it. Father, we'll pray all these things in your name.